Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by who? Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help you maximize your use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. Now, my guest today, so excited to introduce her. She's a brand storyteller, a writer, a speaker. And the stories, these storytelling stories, they involve personalization. They involve customizing the journey so that they speak right to you. Like when you're reading a book and it just, it just, you feel like you're that character. You're there. She's also a community champion, founder and director of Salerno Media, Meredith Crawford. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Casey. Yeah, I'm thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I'll have to work on saying your company's name a little bit later on, but the, the theme of the show is personalization, and it's around that, we were talking earlier, that maturity model for marketing automation and just marketing in general. You got, you got to do certain things in different order and make sure you hit the, the base stuff first, the foundation, so you're not just out there blasting emails thinking you're doing a good job. So now we're on this roadmap, and we got to the point where we're talking about personalization and customizing that journey, and and I this would be perfect to introduce you and have you just speak on this. But first and foremost, I need to pass you Thor's hammer and have you smash some myths. Like, what kind of strategies are you hearing out there? Kind of bogus thoughts or strategies or just misconceptions people have around personalization? I hear so many things about personalization. The first is that personalization is only including the recipient's first name or even just a simple image. And right, right. So like just, just like a first name, an image, and it's like, it, like customizing an email then, you know? Exactly. Um, just that, hey, Meredith, we thought you might be interested in this offer. Here's uh, the latest product we think you might be interested in. And we're Gosh. giving you something perhaps uh, like pink roses if you have a flower shop instead of um, the red roses because we know you're a female instead of the red ones where a man uh. might want to buy uh, the nice long stem road roses for um, his significant other. Right, right. So that's not it, as you're saying. There's more to it. Personalization, that is really just the tip of the iceberg. Huh. And personalization has so much depth to it. And in the past few years, I have seen just incredible progress made in the technology of personalization. Mm. Like, like, like how, where is it gone? What are you, what are you seeing? It's going data-driven. It's going predictive. Mm. And for your listeners who are not familiar with the term predictive, uh, that falls under the AI or in part artificial intelligence God, um, so, type technology. Okay, so it's going predictive and it's going, going to AI. You know, I got a, one of these things, right? Whenever people talk about AI, think about that movie. What's that, that movie with the robot? There's like a female robot that kills everyone. Spoiler. Uh, but, you know, it's like AI or Terminator, the movies, people think of AI as that, right? Are we just throwing around these words? Do they actually, uh, what, what do we mean by AI and as it pertains to marketing and personalization and things like that? AI as it pertains to marketing is really statistically driven. And specifically, it's regression, uh, regression driven, where 
the marketer has a bunch of variables and examples of past behavior. And so through this regression, they can predict what a customer with a certain set of variables could be interested in or what their buying behavior could be. Huh. Interesting. So it's all based on percentages or just the data captured? Some of it is based on data captured. Now regression's getting more and more sophisticated. So it's really going um, not just with the correlation, um, but like I said, predictive where right. if you have someone interested in, okay, um, using the floral example, someone's come in, um, you know, certain things about them, maybe you know their age, maybe you know their gender, maybe you know that they have an interest or have purchased a certain flower or a certain um, occasion um, for a bouquet before, then you can predict what they might be interested in um, mm. based on this statistical model. Interesting, okay. And what companies and the marketers are involved who are doing this type of work uh, what they've seen, of course, is much higher conversion rates. And so you, do you need a tool? You need tools for this or? You need I mean, tools for this. Right? Um, you can't do this on your calculator. No, there's a startup here in San Francisco called Brainify. Uh, that is one of the most. Was it Bren? Brainify? Brainify. That is one of the most um, huh. advanced in this. Um, and then most people are familiar or maybe familiar with rich relevance, um, which has less of a predictive model last I checked with them. And it's more correlation focused uh, from what I understand from there. Yeah. I Google it and it said rich Re relevance is omni-channel personalization technology. Well, bam, it's a mouthful. So for your listeners, my background is in email marketing and okay. in specifically with running email service platforms. And yep. so these were some of the companies that our clients partnered with to bring deeper personalization Interesting. to their email marketing programs. What were the, some of the ways they would do that? Like, you know, beyond maybe the, the flower example, or even that same, what, would they know that it's springtime and that you always buy a spring arrangement for your mom, you know, at a certain, uh, how, how far does it take it? Yeah, how, what's the, what are the possibilities really, I guess? The possibilities are really whatever is in the database yeah. that is possible. Okay. So you need to have data points already in your database. Interesting, and yeah. To get into another myth, one of the myths that I, another myth that I run into a lot is yeah. that personalization is creative driven. Okay. Um, it's the text and it's the image, but it really goes far beyond that to being data-driven where you can personalize something based on time of day, someone's opening it. Um, if you go omnichannel, which of course works um, and harmonizes with email marketing as being one of the channels, um, you can hit someone with an email and then hit someone with a text or with a 
uh, something on social smoke signal tweet or an ad facebook message you know Um, maybe even send them a little little winky face on snapchat you know (laughs) like possibilities are endless it is but the thing is that even to get into omnichannel marketing that's all data driven right so you're, you're, what you're smashing here is the idea that we just be creative and just come up with these things. But to your point, you have to have the data points first. I was almost thinking like chicken and the egg. You want to test or you want to do different personalization. I guess testing was previous. Now we're personalizing. You know, we want to personalize all these things, but you have to have that capture the data already um, or set, set out to capture the data and then plan once you have the data to actually do the project. Interesting. Right. And what we see a lot of clients do and what we always recommend is doing A-B tests on personalization. Ah, okay. So you can do different types of personalization. Yeah, different types. And test what your database or your customer audience responds to best. Right. Don't just do it, but test it out with something else. Interesting. Do you, so do you have like a, when you think about personalizing things, is there like a go-to list you have of what you want to personalize first or second or third? What, what has the most impact, you know, from what you've seen out there when you personalize, cause you said it's more than the name or just the, the header image. There's some deeper things you can, you know, what, what do you, are there any sweet spots or any little nuggets maybe we can snag from you? I find that the more you can go beneath the surface into data-driven personalization, um, that converts at a better rate and is ultimately a better long-term strategy than just having your surface-level personalization. So what, do you have any examples of what like that deep level would be? A deep level would be like uh, we see customers or who have uh, e-commerce stores. Okay. And so they see that their customer has bought a product and then maybe that product's only like a six-week supply. Yeah. So then they send four weeks out another email saying, hey, we, we see your supply is almost out. It's time to replenish. Hmm. Being aware of the fact that you'll probably burn through that. That makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of like even those companies that get into, you know, turning like razors into like dollar shave turns re- shaving into like a recurring business, you know, or I think Amazon has those. You can turn on little buttons that said like, just send me paper towels every, every right. month. Yeah. But being more aware of the fact that something probably will run out or, you know, I've seen this a lot on the B2B side with, with marketers who target, target uh, prospects who actually chose a competitor. They chose a competitor yep. and you know that technically if they choose a competitor, I know I, there's one in particular I, I have in mind, you choose them and you're going to spend about a year and then you realize you're, you're growing off of them and you're going to need to come go back somewhere. And it you know behooves you to move off that thing sooner than later, so they know. Okay, renewal's coming up. Let's go ahead and send out some nurtures, check in on people, brag a little bit, you know, share some value, 
and you're going to have people who go, oh man, I, I probably should have gone over there. And let me, my, my contract's about to be renewed. Let's go ahead and, you know, and let's, let's call them. Sure. One other company that has really impressed me is Quasi. And they do, they work with email service providers, which is how I encounter them. But they do a lot of in-app notifications. Oh, cool. So if a company has their app on their phone, um, they can target based on that's cool. What the weather is supposed to be that day. So if you're freezing and about to have a snowstorm, you can get an offer for a warm drink versus if you're in the sun, That's you can cool. get the offer for a cold drink, Huh? which is so cool. I wonder if Starbucks has thought about doing that with, cause I just bought a coffee the other day, but you know, do you get the iced coffee? Do you go the hot route? And if they knew it's a hot day, they just, Hey, you know, little sugar-free vanilla iced coffee, you know, just the way you like it. What do you think? Hit this button. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> well, but if it's, a, if it's a cold day, it'd be a complete miss. So to your point, knowing maybe bringing in data from different points, you know, to your point, the data points, but they don't all have to be your data points, but it could be location data, where the person's at, the weather for that location, you know, where they're at and their buying habits, your favorite cold drink on a hot day, all combined using AI, bam, here it is. Right. And you see cool. right there in your example, how many layers of personalization you just added. Mm. How many did I add? Well, you I started just, off with the individual person. You added yep. their favorite drink. You did location. Drink. You did um, forecasted weather yep. for that. So that would all be based off a of zip code right there. Yeah. You're right. So four things that went into that and then if you add in their first name that's number five uh oh yeah, well yeah person or name yeah that's cool i like it if you take that to, that's like a rabbit hole there's just so many things you can do to personalize i wonder if they're really you know those you know a lot of people have those amazon echoes and those all the all the listening devices Right. Hey, Siri. Hey, hey, uh, was it Alexi? Yes. Like, yeah. All the, like listening in their homes. Do you have one of those? I do not. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, eh, do I blatantly want Amazon listening to me? Probably not. Exactly. <laughs> As I yell at my dog, you know, for the third time. <laughs> it's puppy, but still. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, but like those, I mean, they're listening, they're constantly indexing. People are always now trying to figure out, hey, I had a conversation the other day on my phone, and then sure enough, this ad popped up. I mean, I see it all the time. People are paste, posting like, hello, my marketing friends. Is this marketing or is this just a coincidence? Sometimes it's coincidence. Sometimes it's actually marketing. It says, I heard you. And then, ah, oh, here's that thing you, you're actually, you need. Go figure. But the best marketers make it appear as coincidence. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He, you know, in I think back to one of the trainings we, we, we would do for, we do do for sales reps using like Pardot, using marketing automation that can capture, you know, in, in this sense, like it knows your whole visit history, you lingered on the pricing page. We always coach them, don't call someone up and be like, hey, I see you're lingering on the pricing page for three minutes and four seconds. Do you have any questions on pricing? Like creepy, avoid the creepy, just make it feel natural. So yeah, to your point, Yes. Oh, like how about that? What a coincidence. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Click. 
And that brings me to one of the worst examples of personalization, which is where you say, we noticed that you were on our site looking at (sighs) X. Creepy. Yes. The idea is to not overtly say that you are Big Brother. Right? Even Big Brother knows that. (laughs) Like, yeah, I once had a um, group I worked with where hopefully they've stopped doing this. They had just one of those simple apps that did the IP tracing that let you know what company was visiting your website. Now people, if they visit and they don't fill out your forms, well, maybe you need to add forms. But if you have really juicy forms offering valuable data, they still don't want it. They're probably not a good lead. But that being said, this company would just discover their IP address. And then the CEO would actually call up these companies and would say, Hey, uh, I saw you were on our website or no, someone in your company was on our website. Uh, was it you? No. Okay. Who do you think it might've been? Uh, and he would just call around to try to find, like, I know if you're on our website, you need this. So let's talk. It's crazy. It was such a waste of time. Wow. I've left you speechless. That is uh, not a strategy I've heard before. <laughs> I don't recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> But right, so the, the so the creep factor. What have you seen on the creepy side? Do you see people just automatically sharing what they know about people or what they've discovered, or what kind of creepy you know stories have you seen? The most creepy is always receiving the emails with the language of "We noticed that." Um, I agree because that's just a dead giveaway. It's like a stalker in a movie writing you a note. Hey, I saw you were on this page and looking at that shampoo. Hey. Um, and you're like, ah, how did you know that? You know, <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, oftentimes we'll say on marketing automation, we tell people um, not to use this feature. They part out in other tools. Um, HubSpot does this where um, if you already know something about someone, that field should disappear. We call it progressive profiling, but sometimes you can turn it on. So it, leaves the field and you can actually have it populated with the data. It used to drive me bonkers because HubSpot knows better and I would go to their forms. I don't know if it's still the case. Hopefully they've changed this, but you go to their forms and they're all populated with all the data they know about you. And in best practices to only populate the email address. People like, okay, I clicked on an email. You might know my email address. Cool. But you know, my name, you know, my company, you know, my phone number or whatever you might, you know, all the things I've already collected. Like, Oh, don't show people that. Yeah, especially last four billing zip or last four of your <laughs> credit card. Yeah, last four. Or um, I, there was once a, a form that asked me my income and talk yeah. about trying to get married on the first date, like, or, or not even, you know, stranger at a bar, you're asking them to marry you. Hey, what's your annual income? What's your, what's your company's annual revenue? Just trying to sort you out, trying to like, dude, who are you? I'm not, it was required field too. So that was definitely not a form I completed. So it was like, people need to be aware of the kind of things they're asking for, you know? Exactly. The other dead giveaway is if they don't have a default set for if there's a blank in the field. So instead of uh, just receiving an email that says, good point. Oh, hello, you know, token first name. Comma, <laughs> yeah, blah blah blah, and have other personal details for them not to have 
something uh, yeah. to fill in the blank that they don't have my name yep. is another just fail. I think in part of it, it's, um, it's like a magic symbol, first underscore name, magic symbol. And I recall being a, a young lad one time and I, and I forgot the second symbol and it sent the entire, it was a small list at the time, uh, uh, hello, first name. Like, don't do that. Well, but to your point, it's more even, even harder to catch because you don't even notice it is if they don't have data for that field, what is it going to put? You need to know what it's going to put. You need to test that out. And to your point, yeah, a lot of the email apps, they have an ability to say at least there, you know, it's so like, Hey there, you know, or hot, just nothing or a blank, but it looks really weird if it's like deer, and by the way, no one should use deer, but hi, blank comma you're like okay well you don't know or the worst might be adding in like a mister or a mrs hi mrs casey cheshire like what's going on here <laughs> how did i get in that bucket yes so you see that a lot huh it sounds like um and that's just that's an instant reason to disconnect with people you know or not or delete the email you know or just hit spam complaint Oh, even worse. Yeah. I do like hitting that sometimes just to punish bad marketing. <laughs> the other thing I don't love is when they only add my first name. Dating back to myths, of course. Interesting. Just the personal, uh, first name personalization. But if they only use first name and they never go deeper than that, it's... Mm. Like that shallow, creepy stalker person. That's a good point. We know your name. We're going to throw it around, but we're not going to make any other effort to get to know you. Yeah. Interesting. Why would you want to stay in that relationship? You know, I got an email from SAP the other day. And the only reason I know about it is because I, I tweeted at them. You know, sometimes you just you got to just share with the universe when things aren't going right. Uh, the The subject line says, a personal, a personal invite dash sales experience webinar, all lowercase. So they're getting the subject line right, but then it, the whole email starts with a gigantic image at the top, SAP Sales Cloud, the best run SAP, right? So no one sends a personal email with, with an image at the top. So it was like it immediately told me, okay, this is not actually this person. Oh. Well, now, now this is this is crazy. I'm looking at it. It comes from a person's name, at info. Oh, this is Calidus Cloud. Well, I'm outing you now, Calidus. So, person's name. I'll leave you alone, person. But at info at. So it's not even from the person, but it's a person. Ah, oh, killing me. And then it said, "Good morning." To your point, this is why I brought it up. Um, good morning, Casey, comma, and then just a whole bunch of stuff. So I've kept it. I tweeted at them and I said, you guys need a class in personalization. Maybe you could teach them something. Give them your information. All right. They wrote back. They did. They wrote back and they said, yeah, we passed your feedback along to the person. Just what you need, right? You're trying to send your emails out. You get a tweet shared from the social team saying somebody hated on your email. <laughs> but hopefully they can change it because that's not the way to do things right there. So, okay. So, so don't just, to your point, don't just do the first name. You got to take it deeper. Otherwise you're just as disingenuous as not doing it. 
right? Because you haven't changed anything. You've just said the name. And I think people hearken back to the idea that it, I think it's been proven that first name increases either engagement or at least they're going to read it, you know? Right. But maybe that shrinks. Maybe that stat gets smaller and smaller as people realize that everyone says your first name. Like, you know, um, snail mail spam, you know, all the junk in your 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 box, your post office box, that all has your first name on it. That doesn't mean that's personalized. So. Right. First name is always a good place to start because another myth is that personalization is too advanced. Okay. And as I've mentioned, first name is the tip of the iceberg and it very quickly drops off and becomes very mm-hmm. technical. Got it. But at least make an effort. Right. Put the first name in, but then a couple emails later, do other forms of personalization. Mm. Like the call to action? Is that a good call- one? Call to action is a good one. Um, what else? Dynamic images. Okay. Uh, where you, the image in the email is based off of what's in the database and my interests. Okay. Um, for instance, if you're a computer hardware store and I've expressed interest in PCs, don't send me pictures for Macs. Do you, do you prefer Macs or PCs? I'm a PC person. Are you? Well, we can still be friends, but I'm kind of a Mac person. So, but yeah, like be aware of that. And if you sent me a picture of a PC, I'd kind of roll my eyes and be like, not again, never again. But the thing is my browsing history shouldn't even have a Mac in it. Right. Right. That's true. And mine definitely wouldn't have like a Dell or something. Is there, are they still around, Dell? I think so. Dell. Yeah, mine wouldn't have it. See, now, now my browsing history has it. Duh! <laughs> but yeah, to your point, you know, be more targeted, be more relevant, swap things out. Uh, we, had a, we had a great customer that they, they work with public and private health. And apparently you know, for them, at least what they were selling, it was a big difference. The, the folks in public health, private health, and these are hospitals too. They, they were completely different from each other. They handle things in different ways. And they don't want to be talked to like the other guy. And so um, they use dynamic personalization to show public hospital, public hospital images, all that, because the browsing history through Pardot tracked the fact that they went to their center of excellence for public health. And so everything they saw after that, the call to action, the images, even example hospitals were all examples of the public ones the ones that related to them so it was like genius and they and they they actually got a call from someone or a sales rep told the marketer who then told us because we're working with them that uh, a customer had purchased and specifically said like i purchased from you guys because you focus so well on public health and, and it's like that's awesome that wow you know, that's we're showing you that we care and we focus in on this particular element and you're making a purchase decision. Meanwhile, someone else is probably purchasing based on them buying, you know, on private health. So good example of like just personalization. It can just work. You know, what, what kind of things have you seen? You know, what kind of um, 
you know, victories from you say doing everything right or working with your company, you know, you're helping clients out, helping them plan and plan these things out. Have you seen any like really cool engagements? I have seen really cool engagements, but what I have seen work the most are the consistent wins, not just you send out a blast sales right. email that has personalization or some new trick, uh, like a countdown timer right? and see a higher response rate off of that. But what I see is the customers who really take, or my clients who take the time to get to know their customers and to build out that customer journey via email have the best results. Interesting. Like that makes sense. And, and it, you've been, by the way, you've been smashing a lot of myths today. I love it. You just, you can't help but just, you're just smashing like your clay pots are just getting broken all over the place. You're <laughs> smashing things left and right. And I love the fact that really what I got from that was consistency is key in personalization. You know? Don't just have a welcome yeah. email, but have the full life cycle. Yeah. Personalize the whole journey. What I have seen is that even for an embarrassing amount of companies now, they're still struggling to get a welcome email or a welcome series. Yeah, that's true. But the welcome email is so key because it really sets the tone and expectations for the email communication. Mm. And if you should pay attention to the future ones. Right. Or unsubscribe and mark spam. (laughs) Right. Interesting. So the welcome email, what, what's a welcome email f- to you? Because I think people probably have different definitions. I probably have a different one. Welcome email to me is when a subscriber joins a list, whether it's through a purchase or through an opt-in of saying, hey, I want your newsletter or send me more information about your company, yeah. that they receive a triggered email in response saying, hey, welcome. Right. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the list. Oftentimes, the best emails will have some sort of special welcome offer. Hmm. Again, if you're a commerce company, um, right. even something as simple as, or as low as like 15% off. Right. Just sets, sets the tone that we're going to send you these juicy little details. You yes. know, I guess, yeah, for restaurants, it might even be like a free app. Free appetizers, just a simple, straightforward, hey, pay attention, fill out your form here, get a free app. Or free drink or... Free drink, yeah. Free Mai Tai. Yeah. That'd be good right about now. Um, Yeah, okay. So set the tone, offer something of value right off the bat so that, yeah, I guess it, it, it would probably be a waste or misstep to send a welcome for welcome's sake, you know? Welcome. No, nothing you just wasted your time you know but welcome and here's something to get us started on the right track either you know if you're b2c it's a coupon or a discount or something to sink your teeth into or in a b2b side just a really you know like a maybe like a, a one of your best pieces of content like this thing will help you here you go right interesting kind of reminds me of the um you know sending a welcome without anything in it Reminds me of people that send emails saying, come check out our new website. You know, that's it. 
check out our new website. We're so proud of it. We made a website. It's like, all right, is this 1998 and you coded it yourself on AOL.com or what about your website really should I stop doing what I'm doing? You know, let me pause this podcast and go check out your website, right? Like what, what are we even talking about? If you are listening to this and I think if I can help save your life just once, please do not send an email saying, check out our website. You know, like it's crazy. But I digress. Yes. I love this. This is cool. They struggle to send out a welcome email, but you got to do that. And that sets the journey for the personalization. Now, what if you don't necessarily know the information? I've seen people use welcome emails to maybe further sort somebody into the right bucket. Absolutely. You can use those emails to get a better sense of who your customers are based on what you, they respond to. Right, right. I've even and seen like it, a welcome series, you know, like a series trying to deduce a little more about you. By the time that ends, though, they got your number and you're, you're stuck in their amazing journey. They've customized for you. What, what are you seeing? I think that's one of the smartest ways to email. Cool. And to get a relationship via email with your customer off to the right start. Mm. I've seen successful welcome series emails with as few as three emails. I've seen others that have a few more. And are they, each one is listening or each one is asking a question or has links or when, when there's a series of them, like we just talked about a really good, just a single one, but what are they doing when they're doing a series? They are providing different content and different options huh. um, and offers and seeing which appeals. Mm. Like a choose your own adventure story. Exactly. Yeah. Do they even make those anymore? I don't know, but I grew up reading them. So I I've always too. appreciated them with triggered email marketing. Yeah. I, w I wonder, you know, I guess they could make them on the Kindle now and you could just click and it jumps you to the... I don't know if did you ever save the page to be like, oh no, that was a horrible idea. Let me go back to page. I know. did. Yeah. And I would go through, read it once in one way, and then I'd go through and do it whatever oh, I didn't you? do a second way. Oh, interesting. That's cool. So by the time I had read the entire book, every page, it just took me two rounds to do it. They should do more of that. They should do movies like that too. That's an interesting thought. I mean, it would take more work. I think that's enough. I mean, that kind of ties into this personalization takes work, right? It takes effort. You're not just making, sending one email out and maybe I don't want to say lazy way, but sometimes marketers are busy and or lazy and uh, or busy. And uh, so the, you know, I got time. I want to just send this email out, but your engagement, you know, just sending that email out, it's one thing, but if you really want to get those results, be smart about it. To your point, get the data points, start personalizing, take it a step deeper, build a welcome series. Well, like to your point about the lazy, busy email marketer. Yeah. The biggest challenge that I have seen is keeping emails fresh and innovative. Interesting. That does seem like a challenge. People get desensitized, you know, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen that before. 
people get desensitized, marketers get busy. And yeah. so it always goes to the default or what the lowest common denominator is. Interesting. And so Sad emails can become stale. Yeah. It Sad takes a little extra work to code a carousel. That's true. It does. Um, I think the challenge really it hits both B2B and B2C. I mean, B2C, if you're trying to get that repeat buy and they've already done a repeat buy and you're trying to think what else could they buy, that's a challenge. On the B2B side, you may have a six-month journey to go down and take them through that story, but at least maybe you can then repeat it afterward. Create your own little choose-your-own-adventure story in your, in your automation, you know? Right, and... On the B2B side, it's even more important to keep emails fresh and innovative and interesting. You know the next question from that, right, is... How? Yeah, how do we do that? Help me, Meredith. That's where adding in a few tricks, adding in personalization, adding in different forms of content. Mm. Because on the B2B side content is king content is king on the b2c side too but in email if you're b2b you're going to be less offer driven and more content driven totally or you should be because that's what you should be doing yeah right so really mixing it up using personalization as an answer to that stagnancy mix up the content that you're offering so it's not always an ebook or Mm -hmm. an infographic Mm -hmm. mix up the topics Yep. Mix up the format of how that email is delivered. Uh, I like that. Go personal, go branded, go this, go that. Just keep things changing and fresh. I like that. I suppose this is where story comes in too, because I know you're, you're big into story and how that, how do you tie in story with personalization? I mean, it sounds like some of the journeys we're, we're taking people on. Where I see the two most easily intersect is in the content of the email. So okay. you can use the email body to deliver your story to the customer. Okay. And in doing so, you also create a story for the customer to tell others because you're taking them on this journey. Right. And if it's a really cool journey or if it's something beyond the norm or beyond the expected, Hmm. it will have, you can create an emotional impact on your customer. Interesting. The emotional impact, that really stands out for me. Not just another boring SAP email, but an emotionally impacting email. Interesting. You know, um, I even thinking as I looked over at that sad email from SAP, it told me the time was at 9 a.m. PST. Now, I know that that would work well for you, but for me, I have to do math. Another simple, simple way that they could change things up. Right. Um, Emotion. So, 
what are some of the best ways you can get that emotional impact in that story, in that story brand, in that experience? One is being true to yourself and true to your brand. Mm. Values-driven. For a B2B company, being more values-driven and also just stepping outside of the expected, showing that personality. Even B2B companies do have personality. It's just harder to tease it out sometimes. Right. Right. Be, 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 it's almost like that, the beta H, the beta human, right? You know, you're selling right. to a person, you know, it's okay to have a little personality in there. And, uh, but, you know, the right kind of personality, um, because, and being authentic, right? Being really you, not some sort of fake email from another company. Um, I'm reading this email, don't get sucked into this funk. Like, did you really mean that? Is that really a person saying that? Or are you just trying to use colloquial English in your, you know, very formulaic email? But, you know, have that personality. And I don't, have you, have you heard of Drift or bumped into them? I have not bumped into Drift yet. Drift is interesting. It's like a, it's like a remake on, on chat. And, but they, they, they blend in AI type uh, automation, or, um, or at least they're going the direction of AI. They, they blend in automation pathways so that you start with a robot talking to you on chat but if you happen to talk about a human or want to talk to a person it magically drops a person right in there Um, otherwise it can take you down a whole journey finding out if your customer support or sales or if it can help you um, and you can program all this stuff but what's really cool is that um, uh, Dave uh, I think it's Gearhart um, he's their VP of marketing and He's been on LinkedIn just sharing these videos, kind of like this. No, not even a microphone, just like him in a laptop. You hold up in a conference room, just chatting, almost like he's on an episode of Lost or Survivor or something, and he's just sharing. And some people relate it as like a soap opera of, of B2B software and tech, but it's captivating because it's authentic. He's being himself. He's walking through the airport talking about a, a cool meeting he had, and he's excited about this new feature they're releasing, you know? So it, it, it gets the message across, but in a way that totally drops all the sort of highfalutin, we're sass, you got to take us seriously, you know, type thing. That is such a great example. Yes. Shout out, Dave. So, so tell me, you know, your company, now I, I screwed up a name at the beginning, Salerno, right? Right. How did I screw that up? I, I can't even imagine that. It's such a great name. So, wait, didn't you have a story? Where did that come from? Wasn't there a cool... So, Salerno was inspired by the movie, the Fatih Aka movie, Solino. Solino. Which is a story about two little Italian-German boys. Um, Their parents, well, I guess the whole family is from Italy, but they moved up to Germany. And Solino is their hometown in Italy. Okay. But while they were in Germany, one of the little boys, the main character, asked this movie director who has come to his, their town to film uh, his latest movie what the most important thing in life is. Mm-hmm. And the movie director looks at the little boy and says, live with fire and passion. 
that is the most important thing in life. And then, of course, the movie is about him and his brother and his family and how that plays out in their lives and whether or not they find it and live that way or not. Right. What's the movie called again? Solino. 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 Is it just spelled like Salerno without the R? Uh, S-O-L-I-N-O. S-O-L-E-N-O. No, S-O-L-I-N-O. I changed the vowel and added an R. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll put a link on the show notes to that. That sounds like a cool movie. And so you saw that, you had as an impact, and you thought, create a company around that? Yeah. I passion. It's, I think it's a great way to live, and it's something that I have tried, that describes how I have tried to live my life, and right. those around me would hopefully agree that I have also lived with much fire and passion. Right. If not, you push them off the boat. You know? Yes. <laughs> right into the water with their iPhone in their pocket or their Android if they're not a Mac family. But yeah, right. that's, that's really cool. So who are you? This fiery passion person that loves personalization. Who are you? Take us back. You know, what kind of an – I'll let you put your, your ears back in. Yeah. What <laughs> Who am I? I'm someone who can't keep my earbuds in. You can't keep your earbuds in. Oh, they keep falling out. This is kind of cool. If you want to see this, log into YouTube. No. So, like, take us back. You know, how did you become you? How did you get to the point where you're living with fiery passion, you know? Take us back to being 12 or 2 or, you know, where did all this sort of journey, what were some of the big impacts you had or the points that you, you took? Well, for me, one of my biggest passions has been riding and training horses in dressage. No kidding. Um, previously, I was full-time professional, and now I'm semi-professional. Professional what? Like Dressage trainer and rider. So really? What was, was the first word you said? Dressage. Yeah, well, dr dressage? It's one of the Olympic equestrian sports. No kidding. And... Well, I was fully in, immersed in that world. Um, I had the opportunity to work for some people who um, have since gone on to qualify for the World Equestrian Games, the Olympics. Um, some of the horses wow. that I know have gone on to those championships as well, in those competitions. So it's, it's been quite a journey of passion. Wow. I'm, I'm looking at pictures on Wikipedia. You get to wear that fancy outfit and everything with the top hat. And then after um, the one problem with athletics, of course, is that you require, you make your living and everything from your using your body. Mm. And at one point I realized that I wanted something else Right. Uh, in my life so it wasn't just reliant on my body and i could go longer and go harder I, i'm sure that i mean i mean i've done like a trail ride or two you know and then you're a little sore after that but you you're you're on a horse probably most of the day training and i mean it's passion but at the same time it's probably wearing you out it is there are a lot of people i know with back injuries and unfortunately i've had to call the ambulance on a few people Really? And not even from falling, just from? From falling. Oh, from falling. Yeah. 
Hmm. Um, and someone I knew at the barn was in marketing. I was getting my MBA at the time and huh. he knew of an email company that needed a strategic analyst. And so she just forwarded my resume along and the rest has been history. Wow. Interesting. So like what a cool transition. So you're, you're kind of looking around seeing, you know, what other kind of, you know, passions you can, you can launch into now. Now, had you bumped into this, the Selino movie before marketing? I had. Okay. So you were just sort of living your dressage. Is that the right way? Yes. You were living that with fiery passion as well. Right. Bumped into email. Did you just launch into that like, like a crazy person and just dive in or what was that Um, that transition like? I love digital marketing. And so at the time when I was looking around for something, I didn't know if I wanted um, a full digital marketing agency that was omnichannel or if I wanted something more focused and specialized. Right. Um, Focused and specialized is what came. Right. And I have no regrets. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, it's cool that you have that passion for, for digital marketing. And um, do, you, do you still ride on, on a daily basis, just not as, you know, up-tempo? Or? I do. Yeah. Um, I still do ride often, just not as intensive. And it's great to go out, go ride, and then um, come back and market. Interesting. Um, or market and then ride, depending on how my day is structured. I wonder if it just gives your brain a chance to just, you know, get creative and expand and, you know, it does take your mind off of things. It does. It's a nice reset. That's really cool. My daughter actually uh, got into uh, horseback riding. She's seven now. Uh, she's doing it for maybe a year or two years. Super okay. cute. A little, oh. and, and, you know, the helmets they have um, are like the, they're almost like a, like a bike helmet but it's yeah the, you know it's for riding we we finally stopped using the the one that everyone shared at the stables we're like okay you, you've done this for a year now we'll get you your own helmet um and uh, a friend of mine had, had given her some boots and uh riding pants that that her daughter had used and so so cute to see her on there she's just now got to the point where um she it, earned her reins and and then she's using those, and um, I think, and I think, yeah, and, and no, no longer just going in a circle, right? But okay. actually going around the edge, yeah, um, of the area along the fence. And one of her favorite things is to pull up alongside the mailbox that they've got to reach over, lean in, and get the mail out, and then put it back in. Too cute. Yeah, yeah. Wow. When did you start? When did you start writing? Just early age too, or? I started when I was seven, so that's your daughter's age. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. So you must be really good. I, I mean, if you've been doing it for that long, you, are you, can you like take a nap on a horse? Can, can you do like circus tricks or, you know, like you probably have so much experience and you're just so comfortable up there. It's almost like a, driving a car for someone else maybe. I am. Um, I can do a lot of the fancier moves, but it really is just that it's become automated habit. Yeah. Like muscle memory. Muscle memory. I can have a conversation with someone and do everything I want with the horse. Right. And so it's uh, two completely different sets of my brain now. Right. Just like riding a bike is for a lot of people. Right. 
Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. So for me, that's indoor skydiving or just skydiving. Um, depends on the weather, right? Go indoors when it's cold out. Um, and when I remember was first learning to sort of fly around, um, it was hard because you're thinking about everything. And we take people when they join the company, we take them flying because uh, it's crazy. And uh, if you think about it, it's harder and you're not doing it as well. And you got to get it into like muscle memory, like we're talking about where you just like right now, if you ask me to turn, I kind of know how I do it, but I just sort of do something and it makes me turn, you know? And so um, it's fun to get to that point because then you really feel like you're just moving as opposed to controlling something, you know, with inputs and outputs. Yeah. Well, if you can have a conversation while skydiving, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'd be the one screaming all the way down. Yeah. No conversations. <laughs> like you see the movies where they're like, "Hey, Bob, I hate you." You know, Jeff, the this. You know, the the butler did it. It's like none of that's happening. You hear nothing. You know, you you can hear a high, but uh, you know, you can hear your high pitched scream if you're yelling really loud. But that's about it. Until you pull open the parachute, then it's what's crazy is it goes from being like way loud to being completely quiet except for the flap of your of your parachute in like a second when it opens up so that's crazy well if i ever end up in new hampshire i'll have to go yes. skydiving with you yes yeah the the invite is out there for sure uh anytime you know let and i'll let you know if i ever have a couple parachutes out there on the west coast i'll give you a shout so on that note, where can people find you? Where can people connect, you know, websites, LinkedIn, Twitter, what's good? The best way to connect with me, honestly, is LinkedIn. Okay. Like so many others, I'm quasi addicted to that platform. Yeah. So Absolutely. my LinkedIn is just Meredith Crawford one. Okay. Uh, number one. So you are, you are it. You are the number one Meredith Crawford on LinkedIn. Right. Yes. Good. I, I should be the only Casey Cheshire. There's a few others, but they, they don't count. Just me. Um, okay, so uh, Twitter, too, for Salerno? Twitter, uh, Salerno Media, at okay. Salerno Media. And then Facebook is also at Salerno Media. Okay, great. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming and chatting personalization and equestrian sports and all sorts of fun things with me. Well, thank you so much again for having me, Casey. It's been a blast. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is cool. Um, I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to get Lizzie to watch some uh, videos on uh, dressage. Is that it? Dressage? Yes. Um, yeah, I'll get her to watch some of those videos. That sounds really cool. Well, thanks again. You have a killer week. You too. Thanks, Casey. All right. Well, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show, everyone. We will catch you next time.